Welcome to Tarot for the Wild Soul, a podcast that explores the tarot through an inclusive, soul-centered, trauma-informed perspective for growth, healing, and evolution. I'm your host, Lindsay Mack. Hello, Wild Souls, and welcome back to the podcast. It's such a joy to be gathered here with all of you. Thank you so much for your practice and your presence. I cannot believe that we are venturing into the middle of December. This month has flown. This year has been both the longest year and the shortest year of my entire life. Um, Like time has no meaning anymore, (laughs) at least for me. I don't know if y'all feel that way. Um, I think there were a lot of reasons for it, obviously, but there is just really is something about the seven of it all of 2023, it being a seven year. Man, I said this on the last episode. I'm happy to see the, the ass end of it, to be honest. Um, a couple housekeeping things up top. The threshold is back, baby. It's back. It's going to be for sale, available for signing up um, from now until early January, so you have some time. But if you're looking for an incredibly thorough, deeply kind of soul-led, very on point, um, to be honest, uh, download about the feel and the energy and the invitations of 2024 and your year ahead, that's that's it. That's all you're going to (laughs) need. Um, sans astrology, obviously that's very important. That's not a big part of this, but, um, yeah, I've been doing the threshold for many years. It's one of the most popular beloved things I do and it's available and material is going to drop next week, uh, just before the winter solstice. And that'll be fun. So you can sign up for that at the link on my show notes for the next week. Enrollment will be open for Spiralic Tarot, which is a complement to the threshold and offers uh, kind of much more bite-sized mini readings on all of the Zodiac seasons uh, between Capricorn season and Gemini season. It's a real sweet one. Um, That's available for sale. Uh, This coming week, we're having a really nice 40% off sale on some of our workshops. And um, I am going to be teaching Soul Tarot 101 live on January 20th. And I'm going to be teaching a brand new uh, workshop on January 27th called Tarot Anchoring. So I've taught about tarot anchoring. uh, I've taught tarot anchoring before, but this is uh, an actual ABC's um, class. And I'm going to guide folks in feeling into how to create an anchor for themselves around a situation that's like personal to their lives. And also we're going to feel into our, our anchors personally for the year ahead for 2024. Um, it should honestly be a great time. I'm going to be doing a lot more live teaching, uh, in 2024 and beyond. And I'm excited for that. So there's lots of things that, um, are on the buffet right now. So if you're interested in working with me, now's a good time to do it. Thank you for your support as always. Um, and for those of you who are, I know that not everybody here has ever worked with me or has ever signed up for everything, for anything. Um, but today we're sending out a really important piece of information to anybody who has previously signed up 
for a course with us, with me. Uh, we're moving our course platform from Teachable to Kajabi. And uh, there's like a whole info dump that just came out about that, what you can expect. So um, in case you sort of saw it and you were curious about it, or in case you didn't see it, you want to know more, just keep an eye out for that. Is that it? That's it. You can sign up for all of this by going to the link in the show notes. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it for housekeeping. Um, so this is a lesson episode. Uh, I haven't done a lesson episode in a while now, and it felt right. This has been sort of rattling around in my... I've been... The nines have been very present with me for the last year. So I've been thinking a lot about well, do I want to say anything about that? And then I received a listener question that was deliciously and beautifully short, simple to the point. And I just thought, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to talk about the nines today. So the title of our episode is called Responding to Our Needs with the Nines. And the listener question that kicked off this lesson is from Maggie. And Maggie asks, hi, Lindsay. I'm so grateful for your podcast. Thank you for all that you offer Thank you, Maggie. I'm grateful that you're here. I'm here to ask for an episode on a card that often stumps me. Can you please dedicate some time to the Nine of Wands? So that's a it's a good one. It's a good question. You know, Nine of Swords is an important, or sorry, Nine of Wands is an important card. Nine of Swords is also an important card. Um, yeah, there's a lot to lot to say about the nines. Um, I also think maybe in a way that not everybody will necessarily agree with, the timing is right to talk about the nines. Um, given that we're moving into the holidays for many, maybe seeing family or not seeing community or friends or family, depending on what's going on, the nines are a call to action. They are a turning point in many ways. Um, and they are usually energies that we face, even if we're around a lot of people alone. There's something of a solo nature to them. There's a, a seeking energy to them. So I think that the nines can be of tremendous value to us. One, if we're surrounded by people and we feel like we can't get a break right now, um, the nines can be a huge ally to be able to say like, okay, where's my center here? And how can I ask for some space? How can I take some space? Um, you know, if that's possible, we, we want to lean into that as much as we can. And if we're alone, um, I think that it's possible that leaning into the nines for anchoring for support could be really beneficial. Like I can't think of a better energy than nine of pentacles to accompany me through a more kind of uh, solitary time and um, how I might make sense of that and how I may might work with that. We're going to be talking a lot about the nines um, likely late next year because 2025 is a nine year. So there'll be a lot to say about it. Um, and, you know, I'll trust that <laughs> even though we're gearing up to go into an eight year in 2024, which are totally different energies from top to bottom, um, I really do think that there's a lot of value here to, to talk about this, you know, and how to hold, keep to it, sense into it. 
So I am going to talk about nine of wands as per Maggie's question, but I'm also going to talk about all the nines um, and why all of them are, there are many things, the nines, but at their heart and at their core, they're an invitation to respond to an internal need. And through the act of responding shows us how we shift, pivot, change some very important part of our next external step. So to talk about the nines, we have to talk about the hermit because the hermit is nine in the golden dawn ordering of the tarot. Hermits rule by Virgo. So Virgo, right? And I say this as a Virgo rising, somebody who loves my Virgo. Virgos have, I think, a really sad and misunderstood reputation insofar as um, like just real baseline astrology goes. Virgos can be misunderstood as being very critical, very analytical, kind of cold. Um, and when Virgo is outside of its zone of comfort, when its needs aren't being met, when it's out of center, they can be that way, right? So can literally everybody, but they can be that way. Virgos are, when they're fed, when they're nourished, when their needs are being met. Remember, this is Mercury. This is a Mercury energy. Virgo is right up there with Gemini in terms of the need. This is about nurturing the nervous system, right? Virgos and Geminis have so much energy running through them. It's huge. It's a lot to hold, right? Virgo is sacred devotion. Virgo is not, the, I mean, Beyonce is a fucking Virgo. So Virgos can be fancy. They can be spectacularly present and commanding a space, commanding a room. But at their heart, Virgos really shine when they feel that they are of service and in service to something. They are lit up by a sense of devotion, whether that is devotion to their community, devotion to their ethics, devotion to the muses, whatever it is. Um, Virgos are long to help support in that way. They're not here to just like take on the world's burdens, but when there is a sense of, again, devotion, support, um, the sacred quest, like all of those are things that are very rooted in Virgo energy. Virgo is highly sensual, highly sensual and, you know, a beautiful energy, but they're mercury. They have to be fed takes Virgo a very long time. Usually folks who have um, stuff with Virgos in their chart, they're moving through something as it relates to the body, to the nervous system. There's usually a lot going on, you know, that sixth house, sixth house vibe. So um, Virgos learn over time, their degree and their level of sensitivity, how important it is to nourish a deep conversation, a deep communication with that part of themselves because Virgos are an energy. They are a sign, like it is a, it is a, a frequency that 
will go and go and go and go and go and will take on everything and will likely do it better than most will. Um, but they can't take everything on. Their nervous system can't support that. So they get snappy and they get critical sometimes. All this is important to understand what the hermit brings. You know, the hermit is Virgo at its center. The hermit is alone. There's space around the hermit. The hermit is traveling at night. The world has gone to sleep. The hermit is up and out, is present, is witness to the lush quiet. The hermit has a lantern, not a flashlight, not a high beam, but a lantern. They are so willing to be present, so willing to be in this moment. And the lantern really shows us that. The hermit's lantern only lights up just what's available to the eye. Maybe the next step, but not too much further out. That's important for Virgos, for everybody, for anybody who gets hermit. It's a pause. It's a slowing down. And yet it's not a complete pause because hermit's on a journey, right? So this shows us what Virgo, what Mercury, what the body, what the nervous system, what we need when we're in this kind of flow. Hermit is one of the most important cards for any sensitive person, any sensitive, you know, any intuitive. Um, and make no mistake, it's not, it is absolutely not that it's like my rising sign. The most profound, clearest channels I have ever known are either a Virgo sun, Virgo rising, or Virgo moon, or have some combo of the three. Because there is a level of openness in terms of Mercury, the nervous system, the channel, that once it is mastered, once that level of devotion is there, can bloom open a channel. Now, Virgo, like everybody else, can also have a channel that's very difficult to get to because of a lot of static on the channel in the nervous system. Virgos are very highly sensitive people, right? So are we all. It's not just specific to Virgos. So the hermit helps us to understand how Virgo shines, right? How this energy shines in us. And every single time we pull hermit, whether we are Virgo, we have a lot of Virgo, whatever, Virgo is the energy, the dial that we move to when we are working with hermit. And it can show us a lot about what happens when we work with nine energy. I mean, think about this, right? Think about the other cards that circle around the Mercury kind of energy or the Mercury frequency, right? That line of rulership. Magician is ruled by Mercury. The lovers rules Gemini, which is ruled by Mercury. The lovers and Gemini could not be more different from the hermit. So there is a different expression, a tone shift that happens inside of this way that Mercury is expressed. It is still movement. It's just not outward movement. It doesn't come down and out. It goes down and in. It drops down very, very deeply. 
Anytime we pull hermit, anytime we, you know, are working with this kind of energy, we are being called to respond to an internal need. There's something showing up that is calling out for us, that is asking us to go on a quest of sorts, to become quiet, to, you know, open to more of a quiet, lush, dark night, to turn toward the lantern rather than the electric light, right? To train our eyes a little differently. And as we move from one place to another, we're not going to know so much about the next steps. And that's really by design. The hermit, because of this lantern, closes in our vision, our vision, tightens the zoom a lot in order to help us get clear on what's here. Not what's out there, but what actually wants to be acknowledged and tended to. We're going to be feeling a lot of this because strength, which is our card for 2024, or justice, whatever you prefer, really it's interchangeable. No matter what, we've got ourselves an eight, whether it's strength or justice. And no matter what, the next year is a hermit card, is a hermit year rather. So that's important because it tells us regardless of how we move into our eight year we are still in line two of the majors. Line two of the majors is about unbraiding the attachments that we have to ego, feeding the ego, giving the ego what it wants. The ego is the one that wants to know what's coming, right? Our, our human nature, like our nervous systems want to know. It's like we want to survey like the territory, like what's going on here, right? Totally normal. And yet that is important. And we can't always know. And line two is all about helping us to card by card by card, situation by situation, understand we are co-creating the life, the environment that we want, the next step of our life in collaboration with spirit. Now, totally, are there things that we did not call in, we do not want, had nothing the fuck to do with us? 100%. This is life, right? But when we're in a nine, when we're in Wheel of Fortune, when we're in the tethered one, there's a lot that comes up here. Temperance is another one. Those are all line two cards. Those are really powerful cards, all of them a little different from one another, that have to do with, can you pause? Can you go within? And can you respond to what is arising here so that the next steps can be formed from that? Right? We can't, in the Hermit and the Nines, actually go forward. The next part of the path isn't going to light up. It's not going to um, become clear to us until that need, that call is acknowledged without diving in, right? So in the Nines, a need arises, one that we are asked to tend to and we have to respond to. In doing so, we do help create through our response the next steps and cycles of our lives. And again, it's a huge part of Virgo and of our soul service and of line two of the majors. It's also important to note that in the Smith Rider Wait anyway, we're usually alone in the nines. There's nobody else there. That's represented in a lot of decks too. This is, even though there might be people around us, it's much more of an internal journey than it is an external shared journey like we might see in the threes or in the sixes, which are traditionally more interpersonal, more about opening to support. 
We can have support in the nines all day long, but we're going to keep coming back to the same idea, which is that we are called to respond to something. And through that response, our world has the capacity to change. It really does. Nines are profound. They're very, very powerful. And they can be lonely. Not everybody necessarily understands a nine quest. You know, it's not, it's, I think like there are a lot of cards in the tarot that I think are trickier than are given credit for. Like Hierophant is for me anyway, and I've spoken to a lot of readers who feel this way, like very difficult, a very it's a crushing energy. <laughs> like it really is, you know, like it really can be like just so intense. Um, but it's not always categorized in the same way as a tower might be in terms of spikiness. Not everybody has what it takes to really say yes to the hermit. And that doesn't mean like people are bigger, better, further along on their soul shit or whatever it is. It's not that. It takes a lot to say, okay, I'll surrender to the fact that the next steps aren't clear. The how, the what, the why isn't totally clear to me. And I'll turn towards self and allow myself to shift, then, you know, and move on to the next path of, of my life through going on this internal quest and responding to the needs that are arising. Like, right? The buck usually, the buck, frankly, usually stops at chariot. Most people never get out of the chariots they make, no matter how sort of um, decaying and old and out, outworn they become. It takes a lot to move out of the chariot when it arises and keep going. And strength is no joke, and the hermit's no joke. You know, it's definitely a big. It's a big invitation. So with each of the nines specifically, there's something that's asking for our attention, right? So let's start with the nine of swords. In nine of swords, there is a fear, a story that needs our wise attention. There's a difference between the part of us that is scared and the part of us that tends the part that's scared, right? I've used this analogy often on this podcast and in my work, and now I can really back it up. I am a, a parent myself now. But when a child or your inner child is really frightened of something, if a child feels like, oh my gosh, there's a monster in the closet, I would say as parents or as caretakers, we want to open up that closet. We want to flick on the light and we want to say, well, let's take a look together. You know, how about I take a look and you can come with me if you want to, you know, and we look. We examine, we investigate, we flip that light on. We don't jump into bed with the child and go, oh my God, you're right. Let's hide from the closet. Let's hide from the monster that's in there. And sometimes we need other people like a therapist or another professional processor to be with us as we unpack that fear, because sometimes we can't really access the part of us that tends the scared part, the inner caretaker, right? So in Nine of Swords, there, there's, I think, over culturally been like just a really big misconception about most of the swords, but especially the Nine of Swords. Um, 
where it gets really tricky because like it's lumped in with the idea that we're going to have like a, 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 a dream that is a premonition of some sort of disaster. And that's not the case at all. It's just not the case at all. We usually, when we are in nine of swords, are experiencing some kind of higher volume contraction of some kind. It might be just kind of spookier thoughts. It might be like the brain kind of coming in with some like, again, spookiness or what if thoughts that really, you know, make us shake in our boots. Um, There could be stuff coming up right now. The more kind of uh, over-cultural view, I think, of the swords for most people is is that. Like there's a period at the end of that sentence, like it indicates fear or something's going to happen, and that's not true. We can be scared at any given time, right? Nine of swords is a, a fear that needs attention. So we want to take that analogy and we want to we want to let it guide us. Like, how would we respond to a child that was scared of something? We would probably flick on the light. We would probably open the door and we'd look what's in there. And that is to an anecdotal degree, because again, I'm not a therapist, so I don't know, but to an anecdotal degree, that's a very helpful means to deal with thoughts that feel frightening. Is like, oh, you're telling me X, Y, Z? I, I, I'm going to ask people that I love about that. Hey, person that I love, that I trust, that, is that true? Do you also get that? Is, that? is that how you feel or is that what you've seen? So in that way, we're flicking the light on. We're questioning the thought. We're bringing it sort of out of the closet and into the light. In doing so, we do a couple different things. One, we tend to, by taking that story out of isolation, we typically melt the fear-based thought or have the capacity to bring some perspective around it that's not so in the midst. So if we can't be the person for our inner kiddo who's like, hey, let's check on this. I really don't think so. Let's see what's going on. You know, let's, let's really take a look together. Let's examine together. We wrap ourselves in that so that other folks can come in and be like, oh yeah, there's nothing at all in that closet. Or that's, there's something in that closet, but it's not what you think it is potentially, you know, whatever it is. Or if something really sucks, we can call out for some support because most likely there's somebody out there who's gone through what we've gone through. By a fear that needs, by responding, wisely responding, to a fear that needs our attention, a story, a what if, a contractive thought that needs our attention, we pivot, we transform. Because what winds up happening is once we do that with a particular thought, it usually loses its grip on us to a certain extent. It can't quite come in with the same um, scariness in the same way anymore. When we really can look at the belief that we have around our thoughts, around our fears, when we can respond to that warmly and wisely, there can just be a real shift. And from there, a lot is possible. Nine of swords, like all the nines, is like it's it's right up at like a climax point where we have to go through. Like the nines are actually the climax point. 
the tens are more like the denouement. You know, the tens are more like, okay, now that we've discovered this thing, now where are we going to go? Right? We see in Nine of Swords, Nine of Swords leads us to the ten, which is like, okay, this entire line of thinking, this whole way that you've been responding to your thoughts, you've outgrown it all, it's dead. So in order to move forward, we have to try something different. We have to think differently. We have to respond to our thoughts in a different way. We can leap into something new. It may not be what the brain is comfortable with, but that's okay. We know how to weather that. We know how to navigate that, right? So we not only befriend ourselves in a difficult and scary and and kind of uncomfortable moment, we also shatter and dissolve kind of a web of fear that can really keep us locked and in some space just by turning on the light and opening up that closet door and letting other people come in to take a look at it. You know, the brain story is often a lot more frightening than the reality. So it's not always, but um, that's part of what we get to do with Nine of Swords. And through that work, a pathway can and usually does open up, you know. Now, Nine of Wands... Um, nine of wands is very interesting. So the nines in general teach us how to wisely work with our energetic capacity in life. So that's an art, you know, it really is because our energetic capacity, that pilot light changes every day changes from week to week, from month to month, depending on what's going on, the season of our lives that we're in. For some people, that pilot light is very steady, but there are certain turns in life or situations that that shift it, and that's normal. The wands can help us. They help to build a really sturdy foundation around that, around that medicine and around that work where we actually get to take ourselves to a place where it's like, oh, okay, I'm not at my usual space with this pilot light. Usually I'm like a real bright, cheery, flickering flame. And today I'm more like an ember, which means that I'm going to respond. I'm not going to try to push that pilot light bigger. I'm not going to try to add more fuel and because then I'm just going to burn out. Like what would it be to just, you know, respect and honor where I am and, and create from where I am. And The wands are really all about kind of how to wait, how to trust the timing and not blow our gasket, like blow our fuel while we're waiting or while something is in process. So nine of wands is responding to a need. It is responding to an experience typically of real exhaustion, of deep tiredness. And yet we understand that we're in a creation time and we can't really stop, right? It's not really going to be possible for us to stop. And that's also sort of, you know, unless we're on the path to ending our lives or dying, we're not really able to stop too, too much in life anyway. Like there are some real specific circumstances where it's like, The train is stopped at the station, you know, like we're not going anywhere. Um, So in Nine of Wands, we learn the art of deep rest as a practice so that we can cultivate and gain rest, 
we can keep going. We can cultivate rest. We can keep going. We're, we're catching sleep. We're catching moments where we can, even if it's just a few moments, and building resources to be able to do that. Um, because what winds up happening with the wands and with, I think, our energetic you know, capacity in general is that we have a tendency to push the pedal to the metal or go so fast and so far that we collapse or we just stop everything, right? Because we don't have those moments, those catch breaths, those catch rests in there. You know, this is like, as the NAP ministry says, this many, like rest is radical, rest is a birthright, especially um, for folks of color, especially for um, those from uh, potentially who, who um, have been affected by systems of oppression, who've experienced trauma, like, it's very, very difficult to feel like there's permission to, to get true rest in order to continue to feed that fire, to feed that flame. Um, and that can change things really profoundly. You know, it really can. If we've been trying to figure out how to push, push, push our way forward, the nine of wands is typically going to come up and say, you, there needs to be rest in here somewhere. So how can you build this in? Maybe call in another person, help them, you know, maybe reflect this back to them so you can see how can you respond to this while also, um, you know, committing yourself to what feels important to do. You know, nine of wands and 10 of wands is also like, do you need to take on? Do you need to tend to everything that you're doing? You know, usually it is a very important moment of rest before we continue forward on the journey so that we have a lot more energy to continue forward on that last leg of the journey. So a nervous system that needs to know that it's okay for it to drop its guard, you know, and an energy like uh, uh, we need to know rest is safe. Rest is okay. Rest doesn't feel safe to a lot of us. That changes things profoundly. In the Ten of Wands, we then get the energy and the perspective to be like, oh, now that I've gotten a little rest and I've rebalanced and like I've resorted my priorities and what I do, and now I'm going to lay all Ten Wands down on the table. Like where where have I outgrown this? Have I outgrown that? Like, whoa, it actually provides a burst of clarity and perspective, a tremendous amount of energy to be able to be like, oh, I need to build more of this in my life. Like, this is really, really important. And I also find it interesting that, you know, the 10 of wands leads us right into the page, right into the wands courts, like that journey. The wands courts are all about channeling to create which we need a lot of energy to do, you know? And so that resorting and reordering of the wands that we carry is really significant because we're making room for creation to come through. Very difficult to do without there being some kind of rest. Now, I acknowledge that in certain situations for certain professions, rest is a privilege. And I think Nine of Wands actually speaks to this because it's not like, oh, go off on a vacation. It's actually like, can you get better at being like, for 15 minutes, I need to shut my eyes, or I need to take a break, or I need to move my body in some way? Um, can I take a day? Can I take an afternoon? Like, it's it's real gentle steps that 
don't take us out of the game. They allow us to rest so we can continue exploring and committing ourselves to what it is that we're creating right now, you know, what it is that we're channeling through us. So nine of pentacles, I will share this. Um, and I'm still making sense of this. So this summer, um, I went back to readings and it's been, I just have loved every single second of, um, giving readings again. It's felt just wonderful. Um, and every reading you give is definitely a reading for you too. (laughs) So for sure. But it's very interesting. I would say with very few exceptions, a lot of the folks that I had the privilege of serving were going through some tricky shit. They were tired. Things were confusing. Um, my summer was amazing and it was still stressful and weird and confusing in many ways. And, um, I didn't, I definitely didn't feel like loose and expansive and sensual by any stretch of the imagination. And I saw nine of pentacles for myself and for my clients more than any other card hands down over the summer. And knowing what I know about the nine of pentacles, there were times when it was very difficult to deliver that, where I even acknowledged to these clients, like, I understand how it might land given your question for you to see this card show up here. So I want to unpack it. Um, and, and I know enough, I've been a practitioner and a professional for long enough uh, and a you know, reader for myself and other people non-professionally for long enough to know that when a card comes up in that way and when it comes up for us in a way that is so wildly contrasting to what we expect it to be categorized in, it offers a tremendous opportunity to get to know a card in a new way. It's basically like if we think about an actor or a performer who we know as being like, they're so good at playing this one role and we tend to typecast them and expect certain things from them. It's like that card coming up to be like, no, I can do this too. And like our minds are blown that they have comedic chops or they're like an amazing dramatic actor, but they're, we know them as being very funny. So it's, I, I think part of our job in many ways as readers to not judge our cards, to not typecast them. To not be like, oh, you know, because uh, I knew I was like, you're clearly like this card is clearly showing up as a teacher. All repeating cards are, but potentially as a card that can really show us what's possible, you know, when when this energy shows up. And, you know, nine of pentacles, it's really easy to simplify it because it just honestly seems pretty dreamy. So it's usually depicted as somebody like eating fruit in a garden surrounded by lush flora and fauna kind of seems pretty dreamy. But if we think about the flow of the pentacles, pentacles are all about really hard work. It's about soul work. Like we're building an orchard, right? Whatever that is, whether that's, um, I was just talking about this on Spiralic Tarot, like the pentacles are not rooted and relegated to just certainly not money, but they're not, um, 
even really about like work as we define it in a late stage capitalistic culture. It's soul work. It's soul work on this earthly plane. So you can pull pentacles about anything. You can get it about your relationship when there's no sense of, of um, like, quote, love or a, a, quote, work that's present. It could be much more about love. It could be much more about work-life balance. It could be much more about the body. Pentacles is rooted in body care. It's rooted in honoring the body, right? We could pull a pentacles card and it could actually have to do with like, if we, I mentioned this in Spiralic Tarot too, if we come from a family lineage that has a ton of like abusive behavior and we are committed that that stops with us, that does not get passed down to our children, we are committed to that curse breaking, that's a lot of fucking work. And it's pentacles work. It is because we're building a new garden that's leaving, that can feed so many folks for generations to come, right? It's legacy work. It's good ancestor work. All of that's rooted in pentacles. So nine of pentacles. Nine of pentacles is a moment where we stop to savor the fruit that we are growing and so committed to for others. We stop to savor and eat that fruit. So nine of pentacles may look super dreamy. It may kind of look like, oh my God, I'm in a garden. There is no other card in the pentacle suit that depicts that. No other card. Everybody is at work in the pentacles. Everyone, you know? So the nine is crucial because it's the only card that speaks of enjoy this enjoy this, appreciate this. We don't need to have a lot of money to do that. We, it, it requires nothing. It is zero dollars, right? If there is something that, you know, um, you offer others, if there's, you know, something that you, it's about really saying like, I get to have some of this too. So the need that's being met, there is a body we are beings that need a reminder that we are worthy and deserving of pleasure, of pausing, of feeding, of nourishing. One of the most crucial cards for any Virgo-accented person. They must have Nine of Pentacles medicine regularly. Regularly. All of us need that, right? Or we assume because we're even if we're not super steeped in wellness culture, you know, some of us are told like this will be a great time and we can have that idea. But when we actually think about it, we're like, I've never enjoyed this, you know, it, it requires a lot to actually say like, oh, I'm in a body. I have needs. I deserve to be, you know, it's not even like pampering. It's just, um, I deserve a sense of pleasure, sensuality. I want to go into the garden that I'm working so hard to, to build for others, the soul work that's not just for me, it's for the folks that I'm serving or the people that I'm helping to raise or whatever it is. My clients, you know, my students. And then we, we receive that. So it's about whatever it might mean to you. It might mean for you, it is about taking a break and going on vacation. For some people, it's like, 
I'm going to weave in way more of a work-life balance. I'm really going to let my body know, like, this is what's deserved. I want to help you have this. Like, all of that is beautiful. And all of that is possible, right? It's all possible. So nine of pentacles is responding to that need. And I'll tell you, when we respond to that need, it changes things. That will open up new doorways. That will open up new pathways. And that was a big invitation for me and for a lot of the clients that came to see me, even in moments when they were writing me about very difficult things. So it was important for me to couch it respectfully, but was there any degree for them And this was certainly a question I was asking myself, okay, in this time that feels like tricky and difficult, um, what, what, you know, medicine can be gained here? Like, what can I receive here? Is there something for me here? Like all those questions are really important. And then finally, nine of cups. So we come into nine of cups on the heels of the eight. Eight of Cups, we're saying goodbye to something that we've really worked very hard for. We've we've spent a lot of emotional energy tending to, and now we're complete with it. You know, in one way, shape, or form, we're complete with it. And that's a lot. It's really hard to do that. It's really, really hard to do that in nine of or in eight of cups. And that kind of an experience can leave us just really feeling pretty shattered actually. Like we can just come out of it and feel like, wow, it's going to take a long time for me to recover from that one. And sometimes it's joyous and we've been waiting for years, you know? Um, But nine of cups is the response to that. Nine of cups helps us to open to hope. So the need that shows up in nine of cups is a heart that needs a reminder that it's safe to get our hopes up. I had a student, I can't remember where I said this, whether it was on this podcast or in one of my courses. Um, I know I said it recently, so it might've been on here. I had a student reflect at a a retreat that I taught years ago um, that nine of cups to them reminded them of um, like a a mama bird, like laying on their eggs, Um, like a pregnant person. Like there was something protective for them around like, the gesture of the person on the Smith Rider weight, there's really something to that. It's the eggs represent like our hope. Like, oh my God, like I, this sounds awesome. Like I, whoa, you know, so nine of cups is even if there's not something like big momentous that you can point to and say, oh, I hope that this happens. It's generally nine of cups is about being courageous enough to get our hopes up. You know, what What might it be like to, to open the heart to an extent? Because that's all cups work. Is like, how can we be brave enough, vulnerable enough to crack open the heart, to let it be as soft and as tender as it really wants to be? You know, and I will say, I pulled nine of cups all the time when I was pregnant with my kiddo. And um that did come up a lot. Just the vulnerability of being pregnant is enormous. Um, and, um, I have found it to be in the same ballpark. Anytime I'm doing a very big project, 
I'm working on something very big. Obviously, it's not the same, but it it is in its own way. Like anytime we're gestating something, it's a very vulnerable experience. And so it may not always turn out the way we want, and yet we want it to ideally be a heart opener. And being willing, no matter how the circumstance you know, um, unfolds, we do want to ideally know that it's safe to get our hopes up. It's, it's inner child healing. It's heart healing. It's very powerful and it will light up and clarify and create many roads in our forest by, um, responding to it and saying like, okay, I'm willing to lean in here, be more vulnerable than I'd be comfortable being, or maybe we're not. And that's okay too. You know, so the nines are a response to a need. And by responding to that need, we open a road for ourselves. We change something. We get to know ourselves better. All of them are a journey within all of them to, again, respond to some call that's coming from inside the house. So I think that can be really useful right now. And I think it can be of great benefit to us to sense into like, what nine am I working with right now? Maybe I don't even know, you know, maybe I didn't even think about that. Like what nine am I working with and what nine can I take with me into this holiday season and this new year? You know, um, I think it might be really interesting to feel into that since this is a time and it's not a bad thing that is so focused on getting together and, you know, togetherness that sometimes we don't always think about what we need. So hopefully this is of use to y'all. Hopefully this helped you, Maggie. Um, thank you for asking the question. So thank you so much for being here with me for the pod in general. I have a very, I don't think I should have a podcast coming out either next Monday or next Wednesday depends on timing and what I choose to do. Like I might release it on the 18th. I might release it on the 20th in time for the solstice. I'm not totally sure. And then we won't have an episode on the 25th and then we will have January monthly medicine. So, um, yeah, that's what to expect. Um, it's going to be a really special episode next week. I'm excited to share it with y'all. So, until we meet again, please take care of yourselves and be well. This podcast was edited by Chase Voorhees, podcast art by Rochelle Sartini-Gardner, and this episode was transcribed by one of our absolutely brilliant and beautiful transcriptionists, all of which you can learn more about or read about on our website, terraforthewildsoul.com. If you wish to dive into more of my work, learn more about Soul Tarot, work with me in any kind of capacity, I'm always creating new things for us to do together, but you can find a all about our self-led courses and classes and new offerings on tarotforthewildsoul.com. 
And if you want to be the first to know about any new offerings, any new projects that I'm doing, if you want to benefit from discounts and early birds and all kinds of lovely newsletter only offerings, you can sign up for the newsletter at the link in our show notes. And finally, if you have a question for me to answer at the podcast, or if you'd like to work with me um, live on the podcast, or if you'd like your question answered on the podcast, please click the link to Ask Lindsay and send me your cues. Thank you so much for being here.